All right, open up your Bibles, will you please, to Third uh, John. We're going to uh, continue our teaching series that we started several weeks ago now. We entitled it Postcards from God, and we're studying some of the real small letters, books. It's, in fact, it doesn't seem quite right to call it a book because it's just really, uh, these letters are just several verses long, and um, we just called them a postcard. And uh, we've laid some foundation with regards to all of this. We're in Third John now. I promise you, uh, next time we gather together, that uh, we are going to talk about uh, Demetrius and Diotrephes. They're here in Third John as well. But we've we've landed last week, and I had to pick up a little bit more this week. I just couldn't get by verse two in Third John without sharing just a little bit more, as some uh, what I think revelation came to me. Hopefully it will be the same to you. And uh, the message this week I entitled is How Prosperity is Released. Now, if you did not hear last week, of course, you can get it free of charge via the website. Go to iTunes through the website. You can hear me lay down all the foundation about what biblical prosperity is. It's not just a get-rich-quick scheme. Prosperity is about flourishing in every area of your life. One of those areas, indeed, is financial. But, of course, it encompasses your your marriage, your family, your career, the quality of life, everything, your health, everything there is. It encompasses all of these things. So I can't go through that again. Uh, Keep that in mind as we're sharing some points here. But we need to just sow into you how this prosperity is released. 3 John, I'm just going to read these two verses again as we begin it. It says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved I pray that you may prosper in all things. All things. That's an important word. All things. Does that include your finances? Of course it includes it. But it means every arena of life. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. How this prosperity is released. On the screen overhead... I posted a definition of prosperity for you. You might want to write this down, and it'll help keep everything in context. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I like the term balance, but sometimes things do need just the whole counsel of God applied to it. And so basically, prosperity can be defined like this, an overall well-being in a person's life. Now, you may not be the richest person in the world, but you can have an overall well-being. You may not even be an American and have an American standard of living. You can live in a third world country and you can still have an overall well-being. An overall well-being is that there's a sense of, of completion and contentment and fulfillment in whatever area of life we happen to be talking about. And when that's happening and when it's flourishing, I like to use that term, uh, you can be counted as among the prosperous. Now, John also used the term, and to be in health, or to be healthy. Now, of course, that includes biological health, and, and we teach and believe that it's God's preference. It's his heart that people uh, be healed and whole and well. But the word actually is derived from the concept of being sound. You know, if you make a sound investment, it means that you've made a, a, a quality investment. It's something that's secure, it's sure. It's sound, and that's really what the word health means, that, that, that life is sound. And so what's being taught here is that John is just saying, I, I want you in all things to have a sense of health, to have a sense of soundness. In fact, Jesus used the term abundant life. He came that you might have life and that more abundantly. Did he mean eternally? Certainly he meant that. But I believe that kingdom dynamics and kingdom possibility splashes over into this life as well. And so you and I can manifest a lot of the good things of God here and now, and through that we become testimonies of the God we say we serve. Now, for most of us, if we were to be perfectly honest, for most of us in this room, we prosper in some areas, and then we struggle in other areas. In fact, if we could get all of your stories, I'm sure all of you in the room could share with me areas that you feel like you've got a handle on, it's healthy, it's working well, you have a sense of well-being, but there may be an area or two that you have going on that may not be 
as successful, and you would not describe it as an area that's prospering. Sometimes if we have more areas that are prospering than are not, we, we navigate those areas and, and life can still look pretty good. But when the scale begins to tip, that's what we call dysfunctional. And things begin to break down and, and life begins to get very, very hard. And so the goal, now I realize not everybody in the room may be able to say yes and amen to every area that gets thrown out here. But our goal is that we prosper in every area of life. If you're married this morning, can you say amen? We should have a prosperous marriage, right? Amen. I'm going to have to get my amen sign. I got some guys working on my amen sign. Amen. If you've got a family, shouldn't our families prosper? Yeah, man. We believe that God's a healing God. And so while it is true, we may face sicknesses. And, and even now, some of you know the Wessels had baby Hannah, and she's had some initial challenges. And uh, we're praying for the Wessel family and believing that God's going to move on Hannah. And she's mending even as we speak. But I tell you, if we're having purposed children come into the world, it shouldn't surprise us if there's going to be some challenges. So we rise up, we take on the challenge, but we believe our families should prosper and be in health. Amen. How many of you would like your finances to prosper? Come on now. Are you just carnal enough? Everybody's got enough carnality in them to say, yeah, pastor, I admit, I'd, I'd like to see some prospering in this area. We need to prosper emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Come on now, a sense of God's presence flourishing in our life. God's called you to a vocation, prospering in this area. I could go on in all of these lists. Now, for some of you, you're prospering in some of these things, the other areas you may not have a handle on. You're just a human being. Isn't that good news? For most of us, remember, that's our story. But the goal is... That in all areas of life, we find ourselves prospering and that they would be sound. Now, even as I share with you, I can tell you, for me, you know, I have many of the same concerns, many of the same areas uh, that you all are facing. Of course, one of my responsibilities is a local church. I'm a pastor of a local church. And I've come to learn through the years that the best church is not necessarily the largest church. It's not necessarily the wealthiest church, but it's the healthiest church. So you don't have to have 25,000 in order to be prosperous. In fact, you can, have, you can have a lot of dysfunction. I'll just put it to you that way. And I want to say this as well, and, and this is a good little statement that you can plug into different areas of your life. If something's healthy, it does grow. If your marriage is healthy, it will, it will grow. You'll grow in your marriage. If your family's healthy, you will grow in your relationship. I mean, if, if it's healthy, it grows. Now, when I say growth, I don't always mean numerically. You know, it doesn't mean God's going to give you 50 kids. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But if it's healthy, I heard, I heard a lone mom back there going, thank God. <laughs> But you will prosper. And, 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 and so I believe health is important because, for instance, just looking at it naturally, if you look at your child, you don't look at your child and say, grow. Grow, 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 grow. But they don't do it. You keep them healthy and they just grow. And so, and so I think health, I like that word, soundness. When there's health, things grow. Now, I've already mentioned to you that prosperity is more than just the money. It's more than just the money. We talked about that last week extensively. But can we at least admit this morning that money does play a significant role in most of our lives? Can we admit that God cares about that significant part of our life? And can we admit when there are money pressures and when there are money conflicts that it highly affects every aspect of our life? I have come to learn this, not only through our own experience as a couple, but just watching other people's experiences, that a money problem or a money solution seems to have the capacity to relieve or to pressurize just about any situation. Couples fight about their money. Money, unfortunately, defines our health care at times. It's a factor 
in many, if not most, of our decisions. We ask ourselves the question, can I afford to do this? It, it, we never ask the question, is this God's will? It's usually, can I afford it? Now, it, it, there's a problem right there, isn't there? But, but it just goes to show you how much money affects all of our lives. So, this morning I'm going to lean, I'm just going to admit it up front, I'm going to lean a little bit more in the financial direction. And the only reason I'm doing that is because it has such a critical place in all of our lives. I've often said this, money will not solve all your problems. But I can assure you money has started more than its fair share of problems. So this area needs to be healthy. Now listen to me, I'm not, I'm not going to preach get rich quick. I'm not even preaching get rich. I'm preaching get healthy. You understand what I'm saying? See, there are people who are poor right now uh, that are sick. There are people who are rich right now that are sick financially because they don't understand what God intended for money to do in their life. It has nothing to do with your net worth. It has everything to do with whether or not this will be a healthy part of your life. Now, I want to give you what I call some signs of the healthy. Signs of the healthy. Now, this is where it all starts in your heart. In fact, you can apply this to any area of life, but it's got to start in your heart. Three areas that I believe are signs of the healthy. If God is going to release prosperity to you, whatever area you're seeking it, if he's going to release it, then you're going to have to get healthy. I've said this for years. Why would God multiply dysfunction? In fact, I'm praying that some of us get the connection that the reason God has not released more to us is because we're not healthy. I've come to the conclusion that many of the reasons we're facing a season, a blessing, is because we've been committed to getting whole and healthy as individuals and as a couple. Some of you need to connect those dots. God's not releasing things to you because there are areas of dysfunction in your life that if he threw money at it or threw some other blessing at it, it would just cause what's already dysfunctional to become acutely more messed up. Isn't it interesting that all of a sudden a couple gets maybe blessed financially and what happens is they get a divorce. They get blessed financially and you never see them in the house of God anymore. They get blessed financially and everything falls apart in their life, their family. Why is that? They got money. Well, money was given to something that was dysfunctional and the money caused an acute pressure to come to that area and it fractured it all apart. Now listen, God loves you more than seeing your whole life just scrambled. You're crying out for some financial help from God. He wants to do it, but he knows instantly if he were to do that, it would cause more problems than we could count. That's why lottery winners, you know what happens to most lottery winners, don't you? It just causes more problems than they already had. Everybody rejoices that all of a sudden their lives changed. And, and what is the lottery? I, I was watching one the other day. He went out and, and, and he ended up purchasing like 25 cars. Well, golly, how stupid is that? I mean, you only can drive one at a time. Oh, mercy. But you know, that, that's why it says that the love of money is the root of all deception. Because you have to be deceived to think you have any usefulness for 25 vehicles. Oh, well. I'll just leave it at that. You get what I'm saying, though, right? So, so what, is, what are the signs of the healthy? Number one, your priorities are in order. Your priorities are in order. Now, hear me. I'm telling you, some of you are wondering why God has not blessed you like you think he needed to bless you. I'm going to give you some, uh, connect the dots here. Your priorities may not be in order. That means every area of life, relationally, financially, family, career, spiritually. Come on, think about every area of life. If, if something's not in order, if something isn't finding its place, if something isn't getting your attention, if something isn't plugged in, God's not going to prosper what's out of order. He will not multiply dysfunctionality because you know what? God's just smart. You know, have you ever noticed that? He knows that if he multiplies dysfunction, what does he get? More dysfunction. Isn't that amazing? And that's like revelational. That's why, that's why he usually blesses dysfunctional people out of mercy, not out of purpose. He has great purposes, but he usually helps us along the way because he's just, as a father pitieth his children, he pities us. 
but he'd really like to do something more significant. So we got to get our priorities in order. Number two, your purposes are on target. Your purposes are on target. You know, this is the why question. Why? 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 Why am I blessed? Or why should God bless me? Uh, why do I want favor? Have you ever asked? That's really the motive question. Why? 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 Why do you want favor? Why, why do you want why do you want more money? Why? Why? Really? Let's let's dig down. I mean, I'm not going to ask for anybody to raise their hand because I know everybody do what was spiritual this morning. I just you just do this by yourself. Why? Why do you want more money just so you can go get more stuff? Why do you want more money just so you can go buy the next newest, greatest, flashiest, glitziest? Why? Why? I don't know. Maybe maybe your your purposes are in order. Why? Because I'd really boy, it would really just just I would just think it cool if I could give a hundred thousand dollars away in one year to missions, maybe. I mean, and that's real. That's just not see, because what we do is I think sometimes we say these things and we think we're snowing God. Yeah, yeah, Lord, oh yeah, boy, I do a lot for the mission. And inside God who knows the heart. Come on now. Your purposes are on target. Why, why do you want your influence expanded? Why, why do you want these things? See, this is a part of getting healthy. Because if the motive's not right, then the blessing will be squandered. And so you've got to make sure your purposes are on target. If your answer to your purposes is all about you, then you're not healthy. Because you understand the essence of sin is selfishness. People want to know what sin is. Sin isn't just squandering your money on things that God says and codifies as, as egregious. You know, it's not like, you know, I got a bunch of money and I went out and got drunk with it. Well, that would be sin. But it's not because you went and got drunk with it, but drunkenness is sin. But it's because you, you wanted to consume it on yourself. And so that's what we have to understand. Sin its irreducible residue is a selfishness. And when your purposes are about you, it, I, I, there's nothing sinful, you know, about having a, a nice home. There's nothing sinful about driving a nice car. There's nothing sinful about wearing nice clothes. There's nothing sinful about going on great vacations. There's nothing sinful in having a car or two in your garage. Nothing sinful except when it's all about you. And all of a sudden, anything can become sin when it becomes our selfishness. See, see, we want to codify everything easily. That's been the problem with the charismatic renewal. Is that nobody in the scripture said that my jet ski and my boat and all my gear and my camping and my golfing and my hobby and I've got all this stuff. It never says anywhere in the Bible that you can't have these things. And so we bought all this stuff that nowhere does it say, you know, thou shalt not play golf. It doesn't say that. So we say to ourselves, what's wrong with that? It's wrong because it's all about you. Are you following me? See, what happens is this becomes a lot more motive-driven than we probably ever recognized. There are good things, listen to me, good things can become sinful things. Because you've lost the purpose of why these things exist and what place they have in your life. Again, God's not against you having great things, good things, fun things. I got a set of golf clubs. I tell the golf club story. I've stowed golf clubs away, and I reap golf clubs everywhere I go. I just so golf clubs make no difference to me. I give all my golf clubs away. I hold my golf clubs loosely, which is probably why I play golf terribly. So, but your purpose has to rest in the will of God, and that is why you and I are here, because we're learning to make sure our purposes are right. And then finally, number three. I said your priorities are in order, your purposes are on target. What does it mean to be healthy? Number three, your perspective is accurate. Your perspective is accurate. God prospers his people because he has a kingdom agenda. There are eternal things at stake. This world and our temporal concerns are not all that there is. There's an eternity. And we've got to realize that some of what God prospers me for is his eternal purposes. In other words, they're purposes beyond me. 
Their purpose is beyond my lifetime. He's brought, listen, God willing, and, and we finally press through all the governmental challenges. When, when we build a church, and we are building a church, it will happen. But do you understand that it's not just about us? If you don't get this in your spirit, you'll miss the whole point. It's not just a good idea to have your own church. It's not just a good idea to own your own land. It's, these are good ideas. Nothing wrong with these things. But do you understand there are footsteps coming behind us? There are people who need to know the Lord. They need to be saved. These are the purposes of God. The perspective. The pers it's just a tool. I understand it's just a tool. And there are eternal things that are at stake. And God prospers in order that we might see this perspective. People need the Lord. And so he wants to release resource to us so we can help facilitate that in the earth. Now, I'm just going to give a little personal testimony here. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm going to peel back the veil on the Baird household. Uh, first off, first off, it's like, Oh, golly, you all are normal. Okay, there we go. Well, I'm, I'm going to let you really get into what I think to be our heart. We've It's taken years, I think, to get here, but I believe this is our heart. And we, I don't even know if it's on anymore. Some of you may have seen the television show. We kind of enjoyed watching it, but the show was, I believe, Secret Millionaire. When that is Secret Millionaire. Any of you see that television show, Secret Millionaire? There's a millionaire who goes undercover at some charities and uh, begins to just sort of check it all out. Nobody knows they're a millionaire. They go in, I don't know, like they're doing a, a college paper or some sort of a project. They have no idea this person has resource. And at the end of the show, uh, this millionaire goes back to these, these charities that he visited or she visited, and, and they begin to cut these gigantic checks in order to hand it to these charities. And you just, you cry watching it because these people who are just just a lot of them are, are church related works and they just cry seeing all of a sudden this this massive amount of resource coming into their hand and, and we would watch that now this is this is really important because as you watch that there are, are either one of two places you envision yourself you either envision yourself as the person who gets the check or you're the person who gets to write the check yes give the check and it just dawned on me one day thinking of all probably millions of people who watch this show i started thinking to myself i wonder which person most people envision themselves as i just want to let that rest with you for a moment. Which person would you envision yourself as? Now, I know what you'd say. Everybody in the room would go, the one who writes the check. Well, aren't we all spiritual? Hey, but if you're under pressure, you got bills that need to be paid, and we're talking whether it's a personal life or whether you're talking about a ministry or a charity's life or whatever the case may be. Let me tell you, you get under pressure and all of a sudden you're saying, wouldn't it be great if this morning there wasn't an undercover millionaire here in our midst? You never know when one might come in. And they just kind of check us out. And then finally at the end of service, they stroke the check. And they get me off in the corner and say, here you go, hallelujah. And we'd all share the praise report and we'd go running around and hallelujah, God is good. You know, there's nothing, hear me now, nothing wrong with that. But there has to come a point, and this is what I believe God's doing with us individually as, as a couple in our household, is that we are legitimately getting to the place where I believe it would thrill us more to stroke the check than it would be to get the check. Now, you don't get there overnight. You get there by dying to self and some other things as well. But, I, I you know, and I, I know my heart. I believe I know my heart. Let me just say this. I, 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 I know part of my heart. I can say it with the I-N-G. I am getting to the place. I'm just honest enough to say this. See, see, I know some of you would say, well, I'm there. Ha, huh, yeah. You, you're blind. 
That, that, just, that just helps anyone that's coming up to me after service to say, oh, I'm already there. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're, you're probably not near where you think you are. I am getting, personally, I am getting, I-N-G, getting to the place where that is becoming a very all-consuming reality. I think that's a, one of the blessings about getting older. You find out you're closer to going to Jesus than you were at any time other than your life, and you've brought nothing into this world. It is sure that you can take nothing out, and so I just don't care anymore. I mean, I can live where I'm at. I can drive what I got. You know, I mean, I may get something new and flashy. Something. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just saying it, it, it doesn't consume me anymore like it used to consume me. Now, all of that being said, uh, we've just been having this kind of recent discussion in our household. You know, what, what's God asking us to do? What, what can we do? You know, we're doing all sorts of things at church. You know, there's never enough money for vision. I found that out through the years. There's always more that you can do. And um, the Lord's been at least speaking to me on, on two things, and I've already touched on it, but let me just share these two important things. He's been telling me, number one is this. He will not multiply until all is healthy. Now that, maybe that's God speaking to you. As I share that word right now, maybe that will resonate in your heart, and that will be the Holy Spirit for you. But for us, I think that's the Holy Spirit. He will not multiply until all is healthy. Now, that does not mean perfect, but it does mean healthy. See, money is influence. And if you mishandle influence, you hurt and confuse people. The reason he wants us healthy is because if we get great influence and, and, we, and we mess up, the rippling effect that takes place is incredible. And so he wants everybody to be whole in their relationship, in their, in their personal life. You know, the last 10 years in particular, Trace and myself have been getting all of our relationship as a couple whole. Now, I don't think we've had the worst of relationships, but truth be told, anytime you're married, there's going to be challenges. In fact, I'll just say it. There's going to be about 7, 8, 10, 15, 20 years of challenges. Why is that? It's because you're you and they're them. And, and, and so you've got a purpose to make this thing work. Nobody trips into relationship and it just sort of works blindly. I mean, it's work. Everybody's scared to say amen. We've been working to get relationships in church life whole. You know the pain we faced in church life. I believe God's calling this whole body, if you're under the influence of my voice, I believe the word of the Lord is, get healed and get whole from every wound because he will not multiply what is unhealthy. And see, I believe this is good news because once we're whole, he can do wholeness quickly. And once we're whole, he can catapult us into prosperity in every arena of life. Now, I'm just going to give you a suggestion I won't go to meddling. I could. I, 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 I can feel a spirit of meddling coming on me. I won't do it, though. But I'm going to give you a suggestion. Some in this room need to evaluate your prospering and your lack of prospering and connect it to your own wholeness and dysfunction. There's some area of your life. I'm not talking about your money. You say, my money's good. Well, great. What about the rest of your life? What about your marriage? What about your family? What about career? What about everything I've mentioned to you? Listen, connect it. Connect the dot here. Could it be that you're not prospering in some area of your life because you've not come to terms with your own personal wholeness and dysfunction? There may be a link. Now, here, here's the deal. If I could get whole for you, I would. But only you can make that choice. So, so just let, 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 let that bake before the Lord. And let him speak to you. Number one, he'll not multiply till all is healthy. Number two, I came to the conclusion that I have limited his prospering stream. I have limited his prospering stream. Now, Robert, are you with me? Where, where's Robert? Where's Robert Platt at? Hey, Robert, come on down here and sit down front. Sit down right here, right where I usually sit, right here. I want to ask you to do something for me here in just a minute. And I've got some squares here. And uh, Robert's going to help me. Because I was thinking about some of the guys. I could have pulled out any one of a number of guys to do this. Um, uh, so many of you would fit into Robert 
Robert scenario. I just, I'm going to pick on Robert because I know if I gig him, he'll still like me afterwards. So, so I'm, that's why I'm going to do this, Robert. All right. But, but Robert, I know Robert to be a hard worker. I know Robert, uh, you know, to be one that wants to take care of his family. He wants to do what's right. He's not a perfect guy. And, and, and we could get Rachel to give a testimony to his imperfections. But, but Robert, I think, as a whole, really wants to do things right, and he'll eventually get there. Maybe he's not there quickly. I don't know. I mean, but, but I think I, I perceive that in Robert. Now, I'm going I'm to show you something about this generation. Yeah, this is this generation. Now, before I, before I do this, not, my generation probably learned this from my parents' generation. My parents' generation, this is how they looked at prospering, especially in financial areas. Our parents, a lot of them, would work at one place if it's in the South, a lot of times it was a mill. They would work at the mill for 40 or 50 years. And that was all they knew was the mill. And the mill held their pension. The, the, the mill held their paycheck. The mill, hey, did, have you ever been to the upstate and seen the mill housing, mill villages? I mean, the mill gave you your house. It gave you everything you had in life. It came through the mill. Now, that, that, that's a mentality that that was their stream of prospering. If any prospering was going to happen, it was going to come through the mill. Now, for other people, they worked for the car industry for decades, you know, up in Michigan, Detroit, and they had all that. You know what I'm talking about. That was their mentality. You work somewhere 30, 40 years, you got your pension, and that's where, that, well, how many of you know that our economy is not like that anymore? I mean, if you think that way, you're going to be in trouble. So here's the next generation. Now, I'm not, my generation, those of you that are about my age, we see it a little different, although we've learned a lot of things from our folks, but this generation has sort of gotten it because they grew up in a different atmosphere. So stand up with me, Robert, and bring bring number one. Turn here. Now show everybody box number one. All right? And give yourself a little space. Now I'm going to just tell you a little bit about Robert's life. I know Robert works at a place, I don't know what it's called. It's like for, for disabled people. What, what Disability board. So I know he works there and does some things with their automobiles. Throw it on the ground, Robert. Just plop it right down there. Step on number one for just a moment. And, and he works there. So how many of you know, if you could imagine a God sending a stream in that box, that's one of the ways God could potentially bless Robert, right? Because he works somewhere. All right, Robert, go get number two. Now, Robert not only does that, but I know Robert has a lawn business. And he does landscaping. Well, okay. Yeah, we don't want to get too, too far ahead. So... He's got a landscaping business, and he works some things on the weekends. And so I don't know he works pretty hard. I've watched him come in pretty sweaty from doing the lawn business. Yes, you're number two. <laughs> oh, Robert, I could go somewhere with this right now, but I'm not going to. So anyway, drop that down anywhere you want. Just drop number two down right there and, and put it right next to number one. Now look at that. So he also has a lawn business. So how, how many of you see that's There's a stream. You see how much bigger that is? Now there's an illustration I'm coming to here. Y'all know where. All right, Robert, you can grab you number three. You know, if the lawn business never works out, you could be one of those people like in a boxing ring that goes around, you know, with the number. Yeah, so um, anyway. I not only, I keep leaving the church. Okay, okay, right, all right. Take your squares and go with you somewhere, right? Okay. <laughs> But he also, I also know that, that uh, Robert fixes automobiles. He knows a lot about automobiles, and he fixes automobiles. And I, he doesn't, it's not obviously a full-time job, but he does it. And I know, you know, he, he gets paid for his labor in this area. So drop that down just a moment right there. And um, see, now, you, you get where I'm going with this, right? You see how it's enlarging. Go get your number four there. I also know that, uh, that uh, on occasion... He'll, he'll be a middleman. He'll buy and sell automobiles. Isn't that right? He'll flip cars yeah, and do those kind of things. And, and so you throw number four down. So we're just, I'm just, and, and we'll just stop here for just a second. Now, all of a sudden you can see that these income streams coming towards Robert are expanded. Why? Because, because Robert doesn't have a mentality of a generation, two generations ago. He can't. I mean, it's, he didn't learn this. I, maybe he learned it spiritually. I, I, I can't speak totally for him, but I suspect because of the economy, it just pressed him into certain decisions and, and pursuits that he wanted. And, and so here he is with these income streams, whereas most of our parents grew up with one of those squares. If God was going to move, it was going to be in that square somewhere, right? 
Now, that's not all Robert does. Robert is married to Rachel. Rachel's a hard worker, too. So there in his household, Rachel works where do you, your main job is? Life point. Yeah, so throw five down there because Rachel's. So you see, it's, it's, it's opening. And, and Rachel does work uh, for me as well here at the church. So grab number six. Rachel, you flip cars or anything? No, you don't flip. Okay. But yeah, I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't, believe me, she doesn't make very much here. <laughs> God, I don't know if God will work through the church or not. <laughs> but like number six, you never know, though. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on this. I understand spending a lot of time. But I want you to look, look at the stream now that can come, potentially come to the Platt household. We're all getting this. Now, grab number seven. I, I, I'm going to get back to these points, but let's just say these are all natural things. But let's say now Robert gets some revelation that maybe there's some spiritual things he can do to position himself. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Drop number seven down somewhere. So, so now he's gotten maybe just he got a revelation about tithing and about how God will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing you'll not be able to contain. Oh, and then he read 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, and, and Paul began to speak to him about how if he would multiply, that, God, that he would so see that God would multiply his seed. Throw that down there. And, and all of a sudden, there's another one that's down there. And then number nine, I don't even know what number nine could be. Throw it down there. Now look at that. This is, the, the, all of a sudden, Robert is where he started. Where he started was right here. God, if you're going to bless me, this is where you got to do it. I mean, and this is where it, maybe his mind was. It's where a generation's mind was for years. But now, just by virtue of natural things, now there's some spiritual in here. Look at that. I want you to look at that. God wants, God wants to cause our boxes to enlarge. Enlarge the place of your tent. To enlarge the ability of God to be able to to begin to move through you and to, to release more to you. Now, I just want you to leave that right there, Robert. You can see, because I'm going to use those other ones here in just a minute. Though, I, what I gave you were natural streams. These were natural streams that have come into our life. And I think, this is what I think. I think Christian people, the church, has limited God's ability to resource them and to prosper them because we've just... Again, especially in our movement, because we've just locked ourselves into a mentality that this is what God does. If I do this, then this is what God will do. And I want to show you, and I only got five boxes, but these boxes, I wish I could have made them mammoth. But there are five prospering streams that I want to just share with you. And God's been speaking to me about this and how we as believers need to embrace these, not just for our own benefit, but for kingdom purpose. Are you with me? Okay, first stream. Five streams of God's prosperity. Robert, lift this one up and just put it right there, dead square in the middle. Hold it up and show everybody. What, is that, what does that say there? Stewardship. Stewardship. What does stewardship mean? Stewardship means handling what you have appropriately. Making the most of what you already have. Now, I'm going to give you a quick illustration here. My wife and I have these beach bicycles, and we've owned them since 1997. I'm going to do the math for you so we won't be here long, all right? 97, which means they're 14 years old. They cost me $79 when I bought those bicycles. We've done our best to take care of them. I have had to replace some inner tubes. The handles got torn up, and so I, I put some new grips on it. And, and there's some scratches on it, no doubt. If you have a 14-year-old bicycle that costs uh, $79, and, and you use it, and, and you're taking care of it, you're still going to get some scratches and some bumps, but ostensibly, it's still a pretty good bicycle. Now, I did the math earlier in all of this, and I figured it up, uh, and, and I hope I'm figuring it up right, but 14 years, an $80 bicycle, you're somewhere in the area of what, six bucks a year, six, seven dollars, six fifty a year, somewhere in there. So think about this. Since the day I've owned those bicycles, I've gotten six dollars and 50 cents worth of enjoyment per year out of that bicycle, right? You're right. And if you just broke it down monthly, you could say, well, that's probably about 75 cents a month. Isn't that remarkable for bicycles? Now, 
this is a bicycle I've owned for 14 years. You know, a few scratches, looks still pretty good. It gets us around the block. Still, I can still work up a sweat with it. Now, let's talk about this person over here that gets a bicycle, but they don't take care of it. Maybe it costs them $79. They, they let it sit out in the rain. They don't take care of it. It rusts. It gets stolen. It falls apart. It's handled. It's mishandled. And they only get two years out of it. And now that two years is out of it, they go and say, well, I guess I got two years out of it. And then they go buy another bicycle. Well, that next bicycle costs how much? Probably another $10 you're going to have to tack onto that bicycle because prices go up, right? And so you're three years into bicycles, and let's, you've already got about $170 into your bike in three years. You're following me. So how much did it cost you per year to have that bicycle? Bicycles. Just about 60 bucks a year, didn't it? All right, now, I'm just doing math with you right now. The problem with the body of Christ is, is that instead of seeing things with the eyes of stewardship, we simply gravitate to what's new, best, it brings gratification to us. And I, again, I'm not against a new bicycle. I'm not against new vehicles. I'm not against new houses. I'm simply saying what happens is, is that we've not understood the concepts of stewardship. Stewardship. Some of you, some of you are coupon people. Anybody here really into coupons? Just wave your coupon spirit hand at me right now. Now, now I started thinking, yeah, Maria, everybody says Maria. I know, uh, I, I, I know Tammy Milligan does some couponing. We're learning couponing from our daughter-in-law, Bethany. Can I just share this with you? You may have never thought about this before. Now, I'm getting to a point. Hang on. I'm getting to a point. If you go down to the bank, and let's just say you had extra money that you could put in a savings account or a, a longer-term CD, I don't know do, you know, what, do you know what the percentage rating on that is? 1.2? Something like that? 1.2%. Get a whopping 1.2% on your five, six, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Maybe on a six-month. CD. Maybe if you let it in there longer, they'd creep, they'd, they'd creep the interest rate up a whole percentage point for you. 2% on your money. Now, listen to me. I'm getting to a point. But you can, almost on a weekly basis, go to your newspaper. I started thinking about this. And you could clip out coupons anywhere from 25% off to buy one, get one free, which you understand is 100% on your purchase. Where else can you get 25 to 100% on your money every Sunday in the paper by using a coupon? Now, you say, well, pastor, this doesn't seem very spiritual. You're just telling us to use coupons and take care of our stuff. Listen to me very, very carefully. Very, very carefully. What do we do when we save money on things? What do we do when we have increase? But, but we just go ahead and sort of forget the increase. See, the truth is, I've, I've met people for years who said words like this, Pastor, I'm going to tithe, and, and we, we are tithers, but I don't, I don't even know where, where I'm going to get seed to sow. If, if you were, let, let's just say you saved, you saved $100 on your grocery bill, and, and, you, and you went home, you need to start thinking, I, I may have $50. Even if I kept $50, would you say that $50 of $100 savings is still pretty significant? I would say. But, but maybe $50 could be your seed to something. And I'm going to get to this in just a minute. But our problem is we just jump around saying, see how much we've saved. See how much we've saved. See how much we say. And God says when you're a steward in the earth, that he will give us seed to sow. And our problem has been we've saved it for something else instead of saving it for seed that it could be sowed, that it could come back 30, 60, 100 fold. Are you kind of getting where I'm going with this? You see, this is a prospering... God doesn't... Under, see, I, it sort of convicted me, baby. I've had... 75 cents worth of bicycle. Now, if I were to go rent a bicycle, I'd probably pay 20 bucks to go get me a bicycle to rent if I was going to do that. But I got me a 75 cent a month bicycle. And I never think, and what do I do with that? I just go consume it. Where if we would understand that some of that, listen, some of that, God says he will, he will bless us in order that we can do more than perhaps we're doing right now. You're saying, is that just another gimmick for you to 
for you to get more money from us? No. Hey, don't give it to the church. But when was the last time you gave to a charity? When was the last time you gave it to someone needy? When was the last time you fed the poor? When was the last time you gave something to missions? Where are you sowing? That's a, that's, that's a prosperity stream. Hey, when you go out and you get a great deal on your automobile because you, you, your car's finally falling apart, you struck a deal, you got a great deal, you look at everybody and say, I saved $5,000 on this deal. Well, that's great. So what are you going to do with the savings? Just consume it? Or will part of it potentially be used to expand other prosperity streams. Now, I'm going to give you the second one. This is easy. I can move quickly from here. The second one, show them, Robert, is how does God prosper me? Well, he does prosper us through work, through work. Now, now, about one through six on the floor, in my opening illustration with the Platt household, basically falls under work. They work. And so here are all these potential prosperity streams coming in their direction just through work work. God has the ability to get things to them because they work. This is God's, I think, primary means of enlarging us. You have to get up and go to work. You have to put your hand to something that you get compensated for. For some of you, you can do manual labor. Labor For others, that you can't. maybe you can't do it. Maybe you went and got educated and you can do brain labor. But God, listen, God rewards those who work. That's why he said in the book of Genesis, six days thou shalt, and then on the seventh rest. That's why in the parable of the talents, when he gives people, you know, the money to do, he says, do something with it. The one who got one talent and did nothing with it, just held it. When the master came and he asked, what did you do with it? And he said, I knew you were a, you were a tough and austere master, and I just held on to it. And he said, you wicked and lazy slave. You could have at least got your 1.2% financing down at the bank. Give me a little something for it. But instead, what does he do? He, he takes that mina away and he gives it to the guy who already had 10 of them. Can I just say, that wouldn't work today in America. Because we're trying to get the 10 out of the guy who has 10 and give it to the people who won't do a blessed thing with what they got. That's America today, where truth of the matter, the Bible says, take from those who have, more will be given. God blesses activity, the work of your hands, whatever it may be. In fact, listen to me, in, in the parable of the, the, one was the talents, excuse me, that was the talents, the parable of the minas, where there were 10 of them, which is very similar, it literally says those, those who duplicated what they were handed he actually gave them rulership over cities, is what the scripture says. So your ability, you see, some form or fashion, get involved. Right now, my son, uh, Tyler, we've sewed this into all of our children. Uh, you know, we sent him off to broadcasting school, and we knew to get into this field, he was going to have to go to a radio station somewhere, and he was going to have to listen to this, work for free. Now, you want to talk about, I just swore in America. Work for free? Yes, you pay. Hey, in, in sports radio, you pay your dues. And he works for free. And so we said, well, son, we'll help you with this. And so he went to this Winder, Georgia. I don't know if you ever listened to that Wymo radio station that he had on the Internet playing let me tell you, you get the cattle report, you get garage sale reports from Winder, Georgia. You listen to every, I'm not kidding, you reminded me so much of being out in western Kansas again, where they would announce anything and everything. The Kwanis Club is going to have them a pitch in dinner. We're asking everybody in the community to bring them some food, so we're going to pitch in dinner. We're going to be raising some money. Last year we raised $50. I don't know that I'd announce that. I don't know. He went and he worked for, everybody say it. Now, you say, well, I thought that was a prosperity stream. Oh, sure it is. Sure it is. He was working a precept. A precept. Until finally, 
In fact, we were just sharing and talking and other things and said, hey, have you tried the ESPN station in town? You ought to stop by, knock on the door, just say hi. It may not work out into anything. He went by, knocked on the door, found out that the guy who ran the ESPN station here in Charleston, South Carolina, got his start in Winder, Georgia at the Wymo station. You think that's coincidence? No. So what does he do there? He goes and he works for... Well, I thought this was a prosperity stream. Hang on. There's a point I'm making. He works for free. And he'd only been there a couple of weeks. And, 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 and I don't want to be careful how this gets announced, but, but doors are opening now for him to not just be behind the scenes, but to get now behind the microphone in some areas that he had only dreamed of being at this point in his aspirations. And that will be compensated Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do you get there? You work. 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 I, I, you know, if I, could, if I could hire out everything in the church and just have it done, I, would, I personally as a pastor, I would love to do that. And I'll tell you why I would love to do that. It's because when you pay money for it, you can yell at it. Isn't that right, Laura? When you pay for it, you can yell at it. That's my view. <laughs> yeah, Rachel goes, I don't know they want to work here anymore. <laughs> See, people volunteering, of course, you want to be, because they're volunteering their time. Obviously, they're volunteering. I'm not kidding. I don't yell. Everybody thinks, oh, I yell. Pastor yells. I'm just making a point. But listen to me. Not only, I, I'm just not the place I can do that, but the second part is, where, where in your life do you just, you just start laying your hands to stuff? And you just work and give God an opportunity to move through that prospering stream right there. See, we, we, we want this, and God doesn't work like that. He's eternal. All right? I got to keep going. Number three, got to hurry. Have mercy. I hope this is helping. Number three, Revelation. Or I put down here, unusual ideas. I'm talking about God's prospering stream. Hey, Jerry, post Proverbs 8, 12. Use the old King James Version if you can. Is that the old? Yes. It says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. What does that mean? It means that God and his people will give unusual ideas. He wants to give you and me unusual ideas as to how to prosper. This is where income streams are important. Don't box God into one stream. You just can't say, you cannot say, here, work. I'm going to work 50 years at the mill. Bless me. You're crazy. Where we're at now, you can't do it. You can't say, wherever you're at, you can't say, this is the avenue God's going to bless me in. And then you, when it doesn't happen, we get mad at it. Don't we? In fact, oftentimes people get mad at it and they'll jump over into something else and just using one of these numbers, they'll jump into something else. Now bless me in this box. The problem is we develop a box and we sit in the box when we don't understand that God has ideas for us that he wants to put inside of us. You say, I've never had an idea. Have you ever asked for one? Do you understand one idea? I was watching television the other day. This guy made... A, an inflatable, just a small inflatable, probably wasn't much bigger than the stairs, a small inflatable car wash, listen, that kids simply walked through in the summertime and got wet in, but it looked like a car wash. And, and the kids would just slide through it or walk through it, and it was just, he, he just, it was inflatable, and he knew, he just knew this was going to make a lot of money. He, he ended up doing everything he had to do to copyright it. And he's now a millionaire as kids are walking through these inflatable car washes. I said, I looked at that and I said, I could have done that. I could have. Why didn't I think of that? You ever said that, Jason? Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that? Well, if I'd have thought of that, well, you know what? That's what God wants to do with some of you. Revelation. Re unusual ideas, number four. I put supernatural wisdom. 
supernatural wisdom. Now, this fits probably into all of them, but I, but I set it off to the side because all of you remember Solomon. Go ahead and throw that box down too, Robert. All of you remember Solomon because Solomon, when he came to the place where he received his kingship, you recall what he asked for? He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for, for stuff. He asked that God would give him what? And out of wisdom, God said, because you have asked for this thing, the Lord said, he goes, I will give you the rest of the stuff. There's wisdom. There's wisdom in investing. There's wisdom in purchases. There's wisdom, there's, there's wisdom in giving. There's wisdom in receiving. There's, there's all sorts of wisdom areas of our life. If I could, if I could recapture moments, not just in financial areas, if I could recapture moments in relational areas and, and career areas, and I go back so many times and saying, if only, is there anyone in the room with me that looks back at times and says, if only, if only I would have, do you know what that means? That means there wasn't wisdom operating at that moment. If you are saying, if, if, if I knew then what I know, what that means is you got wisdom. In that one instance. But the key is not just to regret, but the key is to reach the place where we have wisdom at the moment that God can use it to enlarge us, to expand us, to, to prosper us. And again, it doesn't have to just be about the money, but you know what? The connections and, 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 the, and the, the network and whatever it may be. Some of you, some of you are wise enough to come to Legacy. I thought I'd slip that one in there. I just thought that'd be good. But listen to me. Listen, it's not it's not because all of a sudden we're gonna be start we're not handing out thousand dollar bills to everybody. But there'll be some phrase, some moment, some message, some some time at worship, some time at intercession, some prayer, some discipleship. Somewhere God will drop supernatural wisdom in you. Because you are at the right place at the right time. Seeking God at the right moment, your heart being opened in the right way, you had ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to obey, and God drops it. And at that moment, something hits you that you didn't get a dime for it at the moment, but it's worth a million dollars. That's why you go to a mall. And then lastly, number five, Robert. This is the one I want, you, I want to have him stand with this box for just a moment. Just bear, bear with me. Divine intervention. Now, in our circles, this is what we've been led to believe is the way God prospers us. And the only way God prospers us. This is, this is true. God does do this. These are the supernatural moments when God sends unexpectedly the check. Where God sends unexpectedly your, your, your uh, uh, harvest because you sowed something and you can connect the dots that I sowed and this is the harvest that's coming back. He multiplied it. It's the story in the Bible where the widow woman who had nothing left except a little bit of oil and some flour and the prophet comes and he says, hey, bake me a cake. You know, she doesn't have anything left and Elijah says, bake me a cake. Can you imagine what the media would do with that today when you took a widow's last resources? But she does it. And out of that, miracles spring forth. Praise God, those things do happen. I mean, I, I put this though, listen, I put this as number five because I don't want you to think it's the number one way God streams to you. Now, it's one of the ways God streams to you. But I want to see God's hand. See, our problem is this. We wait until somebody gives us the get-rich-quick offering. You give me, thank you, Robert. You give me, so 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 your so your sixty dollar and thirteen cent offering based on Isaiah sixty thirteen, and God will multiply that back, you know, thirty, sixty, one hundredfold, depending on whatever faith you have. And so we do it, and this is the only, and and then we're banking. It's 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 like spending money on the lottery, and we're banking that God is going to somehow move. In amazing ways. Now listen, this is, this, is, this is why this has to cut very carefully. Do I believe God can do that? Sure, I believe God can do that. I've told this story before. There was, 
There was a fairly notable financial offering minister that came through Evangel years ago. I won't mention his name, but but he was taking up a hundredfold offerings, which meant that if you sowed, you'd get a hundredfold. And uh, offering time, and my wife was sitting on the front row, I was sitting on the platform, and she was making these hand signals at me. These were offering hand signals. So she flashed me, and I thought she flashed $25. So I'm sitting there going, eh, $25. All right, well, $25. $25. So, being as generous a man as I am, I look and go, so she, she, I could see her writing the check and taking off. Service ends, it all wraps up. We're driving home. She's on the other side of the air star and she says, well, honey, I really appreciate you letting me sow an offering like that. I, I really didn't think you'd probably want to do that, but I appreciate so much you letting me do that. And I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, sure. I'm a generous guy. Yeah, you know, and I'm sitting there, and she goes, yeah, you know, because, you know, it's kind of tight this month, and, 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 and we, we don't have much in the bank account, and, you know, $250, that's a lot of money. You said $250. Yes, yes, honey, $250. You gave $250. I get you, you said it was okay. I thought you said $25. No, 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 no. I put the zero up there. I thought you meant okay. I didn't know that meant zero. That's $250. Well, I really believe God was speaking to me on this. That's $250. Guys, I praise God that my wife is more spiritual than I am at times. She goes, well, I'm believing God. I'm needing a new job. She was believing God for a new job. She was going to go to work. She was believing God for a $25,000 a year job in an area that probably that was seven to $8,000 higher than she should have been hired for. I'm believing God's going to give me $25,000. I'm still at $250. That's kind of where... But she went in for the interview, and guess what? She came out, called me up, and said, guess what, honey? What? I got the job, and I got it for $25,000 a year. Now, do I believe, listen, do I believe that you can sow for a harvest? The answer is absolutely yes. Yeah, I've seen it happen more than once. This is one story. We've stroked off checks to television ministries, we've stroked off checks to missionaries and things at church, and I, I believe that to be the case. But listen to me, this this works. The reason this works in our life is because I'm working, and I've got seed, and I'm stewarding it. So I've got I've got some to plant. I, you understand? And and I'm not just counting on this one to be it in my life. The wealth, the scripture says, of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Why would the Bible say these things? The Bible says these things because God would very much like to put resource in our hands more than in wicked people's hands. You know why God puts righteous, uh, he puts money into righteous people's hands? Is because if they're healthy, they'll do righteous things with it. But what aggravates him is when the wealth of the wicked receives it. What do wicked people do with money? They do wicked things. We've got to change that. And I believe it does change when we begin to see all the streams are open and prosperity is flowing. One of my favorite verses in the scripture is the one in the book of Joel where it talks about the Holy Spirit being dispensed. And it says in the midst of all of that, it says that he will restore the years. That's one of my favorite verses. The reason it's my favorite verse is because there's more than a few times that I can look back at my personal history and say the words, if only. If only I would have had wisdom. If only I would have known 
then what I know now. If only, and about the time I get into the regrets and the if onlys, I'll open up that chapter. I believe it's in Joel chapter 2. I'll open that up again where God says, and I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And I say, Lord, I'm believing that. I'm believing that in the, in the minimal time I have left, that you will cause this time to prosper in even greater ways than all of the foolishness and mistakes I made in days past. There's some of you here this morning. Can I just share this with you? God, God wants to prosper every person in this room. You know God can do that. Don't, don't ever buy the world's have and have-nots. Don't ever buy that. There is no lack in the kingdom. It doesn't matter what your economic status is right now in this room. I'm here to tell you there is more than enough resource available for you and your friend and for all of us here in this room and for everyone on the earth. More than enough resource. Resources are not limited. The only thing that's limited is most people's brain. God has more than enough and he wants to resource you. But here's what we're going to do this morning. In fact, why don't we stand right now, and if I could get some musicians, if you could make your way this direction.